about in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all were proceeding to register for the census, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him, and was with child. And it came about while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. Okay. Now notice the parallel to one five in the days of Herod. Now it's now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. In both cases, we're seeing the chronological marker for an important birth based upon a ruler. And in this case, it's Caesar Augustus's decree that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. So we're, this is this story is tied firmly in history. We know all about Caesar Augustus. What was his original name? Anybody know? It was Octavian, but he became Augustus when he assumed the throne. And uh, in some ways the first Caesar, in some ways not. He was the first to really be called the Caesar. You could argue that Julius was also a Caesar before him, but Augustus or Octavian was the first to really be called that. Julius was before Augustus. But he wasn't a Caesar? I thought he was Julius Caesar. Mm, was he wasn't he proclaimed wasn't the emperor exactly by the Roman Senate. The yeah, so I, some Roman historians call Augustus the first Caesar, some of them call Julius the first Caesar. That's kind of a technical point. Was Caesar part of Julius's name? No, Caesar means emperor or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think so, but I'm not an expert on Roman history. Are they related? Octavian? Octavian was just one of the Jesuits, right? I think that's right. Well, because when Caesar died, it was fallen over by like two of his generals and two random people. Mark Antony fought Octavian, right? So I don't, there's a lot I don't know about Roman history, but that's, we pretty much exhausted it right there, so I better stop a lot behind. Um, but, so, so there's this census that's to be taken. Now, why did they care about a census? Why do we care about a census, for crying out loud? Money! They use the census for taxation purposes. Caesar's flexing his political muscle with the decree that the entire world had to register to be taxed. And uh, he's squeezing tribute even out of this tiny village at the far end of the Mediterranean. And everybody has to go back to their hometowns. That's why Joseph uh, goes back and Mary, you know, he didn't want to leave her, so she goes back as well. And that leaves them in Bethlehem at the time she experiences labor. And of course, that's kind of important because uh, what do we know about Bethlehem? City of David. City of David. Old Testament say anything about Bethlehem? It's where Jesus was going to be. Who said it was where Jesus was going to be born? Micah. Micah, chapter. Hmm. I thought you were going to say it. 5 2. Okay. 5 2. 
Um, so isn't that incredible? An imperial world measure was inaugurated to fulfill an apparently small point in the prophecy. That gets them down to Bethlehem where they're supposed to be. You know, that's pretty that's pretty amazing. You know, so he kind of outflanks Caesar's decree to accomplish his purpose. And that is Jesus will be born where David was in Bethlehem. Now you might look at that other ways. Maybe God knew what Caesar was going to do and that's why he said that. But I, I prefer looking at it you know, he needs Joseph and Mary down to Bethlehem, so he has Caesar making a worldwide decree for a census. That's kind of the way the Lord does things, you know. Now, you realize there's a bit of a problem here. Do you know what the problem is? Well, Quirinius's governorship and his census was in 6 AD. And Jesus was born about, you know, 6 BC. So what do we do with that? And nobody's really totally sure. <laughs> um, because we know a lot about this census in 6 AD. In fact, there's a later reference Luke gives, gives to that census, if I can find it, in Acts 5.37, after this man, man Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census, drew away some people after him. That's the census he's talking about, the 6 AD one under Quirinius. So, skeptics would just say, well, you know, Luke was mistaken. I mean, you know, it's close. You know, whatever. You know, I mean, he was off by a few years. I don't know. Uh, he needed to have some, you know, dramatic way of getting him down there or whatever. Well, we know Luke was inspired by God, so that's not going to work for us. So, there's a couple of possibilities. I'm just throwing these out. I mean, if you read any, you know, very deep commentary, they're going to deal with the problem. And, you know, skeptics can bring it up. Here's one possibility. <laughs> Perhaps Quirinius was in charge of the census, even though he didn't become governor and have his own official census until 6 AD. So this may have been a, you know, calling him a ruler, not a governor, um, because the word doesn't have to necessarily mean governor. It could be a ruler. Uh, so it may be that he wasn't yet governor, and there was actually an earlier census of Quirinius. Another possibility is retranslating this. Some people say that it should be translated this was before the census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And that would certainly uh, help. Or this was the first census before Quirinius was governor of Syria. Something like that. Um, I, I think that has something to commend itself. However, there's some debate as to whether or not it's fair to translate it that way. So, I'm just kind of throwing that out. You can think about it. We may not ever find out the answer for sure on that. So, while he's there, Mary's ready to give birth, and, well, it didn't work out so conveniently. You know, the birthing room was in, uh, he was occupied, I suppose, in the local hospital. And where does she end up having Jesus? In a barn. Wherever the animals were, yes. And she actually puts him where? And what does a manger mean? Feeding. Feeding trough. Yeah, I think that's it. Jesus put in the feed trough, usually used for the animals. What a strange place for the Savior of the world to be put, right? You know, when the Christ first came, he was pushed into a barn, and we've tried to keep him there ever since. You know, sounds bad that, you know, that's where he was born, but where do we put Jesus? You know, I mean, I think it's good to ask, you know, do we keep him first in our life, or do we relegate him, shove him aside to some other place? 
you know, so it's amazing. Jesus didn't come into the world born like some great ruler. He comes in the world born in this feeding trough. Um, you know, that's, that's just, you know, shows you a lot about the Lord, really, in this. So, and they wrap him in cloths, and uh, uh, so that's that. Do you see, do you realize that uh, this isn't the only time Jesus was wrapped in cloths? At his death, this, and and who was involved in, with Jesus in his death? Joseph. And right at the very end of Luke, we, we see the scene in the temple, just like this scene begins in the temple. Uh, so there's some interesting parallels. Uh, she gives birth to her firstborn son. The implication would be there were other born sons after the firstborn. But also the firstborn is the one who inherits the throne if it's the firstborn of the king. All right, that's all I've got to say through verse 7. What's your comments and questions? No, this would have been maybe every 12 years. I believe I'm right about the time. But it wasn't every day. It was when Caesar wanted to be when it's also so I'm trying to figure out your second. So maybe this was the census before Quirinius' census. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Some people would translate it that way. This is the census before Quirinius. Which would work because didn't you say Jesus was born in six BC? Yeah. So it'd be perfect. Yeah. If that's a fair translation, then that's a great answer. But that's debated as to whether or not that's a fair translation. I'm not competent to judge that. Some commentators swear it is, and some swear it's not. I don't like swearing. All right, eight to fourteen. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before him, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace goodwill toward them. so you would not really think that the first announcement would be the shepherds in shepherds were not despised like they were among the Egyptians you remember but still shepherds not a you know noble occupation but maybe it's appropriate why would it be appropriate for the announcement to be made to shepherds Jesus is the shepherd. He's the lamb. And the shepherd. And the shepherd. <laughs> the shepherd. <laughs> All right. But I would prefer to say he was the lamb of God <laughs> in that particular case. Uh, so I think that's appropriate. Uh, who makes this announcement to them? Angel. Angel, which one? Of the Lord. Look at 111. Was Gabriel and an angel of the Lord made the announcement there, so I'm wondering if this is Gabriel also. Wait, it was only one angel? Well, it was at first, and then there's a whole group uh, suddenly appeared in verse 13. Mm-hmm. So 
there's like a spokesperson. There's a leading angel, that's right. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. You know, you can imagine how bright it would have been, especially at night. But, I mean, when you've got just this awesome brightness, what's that a sign? What is that a sign of? God's presence, absolutely. Where would God's presence usually be? The temple. Now God's glory that was normally associated with the temple is manifested on a farm. That's cool. And, of course, uh, they are immediately, they react, they react with what emotion? Fear. And what does the angel say? Do not be afraid. This is pretty much standard uh, lines now for them. Uh, he says, I bring you good news of great joy. Again, the joy theme, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now at the risk of being tedious, would you look back with me at chapter 1? See if we can do this in a reasonably timely fashion. Starting in verse 1, just kind of scanning down through, tell me what's, what's the first time the word Lord was used in chapter 1? Verse 6. Verse 6, the commandments and requirements of the Lord. Who does the Lord mean there? God. God. What's the next time the Lord is used? Nine. Nine, the temple of the Lord. Who does that mean? God. Next time it's used? Eleven. Eleven, angel of the Lord. Next time it's used? Fifteen in the sight of the Lord, then sixteen turned Israel back to the Lord their God. Seventeen people prepared for the Lord. Then skip down, it's twenty-five, the way the Lord has dealt with me. And then beyond twenty-five, what's the next one? Twenty-eight, the Lord is with you, and then thirty-two. The Lord God will give him, and then The bond slave of the Lord, yep. And then? Forty-three, the mother of my Lord, that connects with this one, that's Jesus. And then forty-five, you said, spoken to her by the Lord. And then forty-six, my soul exalts, exalts, exalts the Lord. Then look at fifty-eight. They heard the Lord had displayed. Then look at 66. The hand of the Lord will certainly be with him. 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. 76. You will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. 29. The glory of the Lord shone around them. Has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Isn't that significant? After he's used Lord so many times already to mean God. How can you take Christ the Lord to be a mere man? The Lord is being used in this context for God, except for the one time it was used for Jesus already by Elizabeth. But here it's used by the angel. Elizabeth maybe would have said, well, she don't know what she meant. But the angel surely means the same Lord he's been talking about. Jesus is God. I think that's impressive. Um, and so, look at the contrast. Look at verse 11. And now look at the sign in verse 12. <laughs> you know, so great the baby, so lowly the conditions. Uh, you would imagine no other baby in Bethlehem had a manger for its cradle, so that uh, pretty much nails down who they're looking for. 
And you've got the, all the angels suddenly praising God. Comments or questions through 14. Fifteen to twenty. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then, and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph, and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that had been heard and seen, just as had been told them. I like these shepherds. What do they do? They go find out. Right away. They go straight to Bethlehem. You know, they're going to see what the Lord's talking about. You know, they couldn't wait. So they came in a hurry. You know, they, they, they're very, they drop everything. I don't know who took care of the sheep, but they're going to get to see this uh, Lamb of God after all. And uh, they told Mary and Joseph about what had been told them by the angels. And there's quite a reaction. You know, look at the reaction of the people in verse 18. How do they react to the shepherd's statement? <coughs> they wondered. Yeah, they were amazed. Yeah. How does Mary react in 19? Treasured up. And pondered. She's mulling this stuff over. She got, eventually she's going to have a really full heart. <laughs> got a lot of things. And what do the shepherds themselves do in verse 20? Glorifying praise God. Yeah. For all that they had heard and seen. So the shepherds are the first evangelists. First ones to tell the public about the birth of the Messiah. Questions and comments? You realize, although it's not necessary to say this, that the wise men came long after the shepherds. We tend to see them both at the same time. But wise men, Jesus at a house already. All three of them. Yeah, all three of them. Yeah, yeah what are their names? I forget. They, 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 we've got them named, too. Yeah, oh yeah, Ball something, Melchior. And yeah. Something, I don't know. So it's three shepherds and three wise men, isn't it? I don't know. Is three shepherds? I hadn't heard that. And the nativity scene. Maybe so. Three camels. And Maybe so. Yeah. Right. Okay. So twenty-one to twenty-four. And when eight days were completed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days were heard for their purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb should be called holy to the Lord, and offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves for two young pigeons. So, on the eighth day, Jesus was circumcised. Remember, Jesus was born under the law. Everything that was to happen by law happened with Jesus. He was named Jesus. That was what the angel said he was going to be named. Thankfully, they accepted that. And uh, then they go up to the temple. What for? To offer. The sacrifice you had to offer when people were born. Yeah, you had Mary and Joseph's purification. It says their purification. So perhaps Joseph was unclean by his contact with Mary. 
Uh, do you remember that the details on that? How uh, how much after the birth of the child would the woman go up for the purification? It was. You were unclean a lot longer if the baby was female. Uh-oh. Remember how long? Anybody? Joseph, you know that? 40 days for the boys, 80 days for the girls. So, after a little over a month, they went up there. Uh, it's interesting that Mary had to be purified. You know, she's not immaculate. And... Uh, what actually did she offer for her purification according to this text? A pair of turtle doves or young pigeons. This is back in Leviticus 12. This is the option for the poor. This was not the original one. This is the option for the poor. So they evidently were a poor family. But this is not the only reason they went up to the temple and not the only thing they did. What is the other thing going on here besides Mary and Joseph's purification? Kind of presentation of the firstborn. Yes, do you remember the story behind that? Was it because of the Passover? Yeah. And that God didn't kill the firstborn? Yeah. The firstborn were given to God? Yeah. Firstborn <laughs> oh, no. belonged to God. <laughs> Did God actually take them? No. no. Did you offer them? What did you do? He took the Levites instead of the firstborn, so you just paid a redemption fee to buy the firstborn back from God, and he actually took the Levites in their place to be their servants. That's exactly right. But you still had to pay the redemption price, but God accepted the Levites. Notice the emphasis here. You know, as it is written in the law of the Lord, according to what was said in the law of the Lord, this family, Mary and Joseph, with Jesus, are very concerned about keeping the law. They're doing the right thing. They're doing what the law of the Lord says. Um, and, and again, Jesus is born under the law, and he's going to keep it perfectly, including in these preliminary steps. Okay? Questions and comments on that? He was he wrote the law. It's kind of an interesting little... <laughs> he will say that when it comes to being the Lord of the Sabbath. He's the one who gave the Sabbath law. But he humbled himself to obey the law he wrote. He was a born of woman, born under the law in Galatians 4. And so he perfectly obeyed the law. So was Jesus a sinner? No. he was. Ne- if he'd been a sinner, he couldn't have been a perfect sacrifice for us. So he, he came and he lived a perfect life, which is really remarkable. Um, so this is the beginning of the temple uh, scene. While Jesus is in the temple... Two people come and talk to them. A man and a woman, Simeon and Anna. And next week, or whenever we do this again, we'll look at that. So, what, are we good for next week? 